Hi, I'm Issa Kwonga. And I'm Ryan Hunt. And we co-host Stadio, a football podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. If you like soccer or football, make sure you search for Stadio, a football podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Callista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. It is Monday, July 3rd. Another week, another blow up, it seems, for David Zasloff, the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery. This past week, it was the outrage over Turner Classic Movies, the cable channel that Zasloff and his team gutted, cutting about two-thirds of its staff and leading to the exit of its leaders. That was after Zasloff professed his love for the channel and posed for photos with its hosts, when people like Steven Spielberg, Paul Thomas Anderson, and Martin Scorsese very predictably voiced their concern. Zasloff ended up backtracking, restoring some of the budget, bringing back an executive, and asking the leaders of the Warner Brothers film studio to take over the network at least in theory. A decent save, but here's the thing. Financially speaking, Zasloff wasn't wrong here. TCM is profitable, but it had a staff of 40-something people, and the trend in the dying cable network business is to consolidate, spend less, write out the carriage fees until it all eventually transfers over to streaming. And this is the case with a lot of the decisions that Zasloff has made in the year and a half he's been running Warner Brothers Discovery, which includes the Warner Brothers studio where he killed the Batgirl movie for a tax credit, HBO and Max have been pulling unpopular shows off the service and even selling some like Insecure and Band of Brothers to Netflix, its hated rival. And all those cable networks where he killed scripted programs, presided over a leadership failure at CNN, and announced layoffs after layoffs after layoffs. There have been other big gaffes too, like getting booed at a commencement speech, hosting a pretty tone-deaf party at the Cannes Film Festival, and then announcing he's redoing the Warner Brothers commissary to make it cooler and more fun while thousands of people are being fired. The Wall Street Journal recently said the Zaslav strategy is, quote, fail fast, learn, and move on. But big picture, do any of these missteps actually matter? After all, this is a guy who came to this company from Discovery promising to cut $4 billion in costs and to reduce its debt load. And for the most part, he succeeded on that front. The company cut $9 billion off the $56 billion in debt that came when Discovery was combined with Warner Media. The stock market is pretty negative on Zaz's tenure, but he's increased the cash flow, reduced cost, and arguably better positioned the company to ride out this chaotic moment in the transition of entertainment. 
while also earning some crazy high paydays for himself. That's part of the problem, I think. So today, I've got Lucas Shaw from Bloomberg, and it's the David Zasloff Show. Is all this negative press justified? And is he actually misunderstood? From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Lucas Shaw. Lucas, welcome back. Happy Fourth of July. Are you going to a barbecue or are you going to a meeting of the Olivia Rodrigo fan club? Uh, I'm going to the Dodger game, as you know, because I asked you for your tickets. That's true. <laughs> we are the hardest working podcasters in Los Angeles because we are working on July 3rd. And we needed to talk about David Zasloff because it just feels like this guy is on one of the all time bad press runs. I mean, it's kind of remarkable. You never see these media CEOs spill into the fandom. And he's going about this from a position of the financial backers of Warner Discovery. Rarely do we see these CEOs just openly say, listen, I'm doing this because we need to bring down our debt load and increase our free cash flow and set this up for the long term because the house is on fire, and I've been brought in here to put this fire out. The question I want to discuss with you today is, are we all freaking out for no reason here, for limited justification when this guy told us from the beginning what he was going to do? He's now doing it. He's gutting the company. He's reducing costs. He's trying to make more money on the assets that they own, like the television shows that they are pulling off the streaming service. And we're all just freaking out because that's what people do now is they freak out. I think everyone's justified in freaking out, but it's not specific to Zaslav, right? It's that the whole entertainment industry is going through this transition uh, and through this sort of complicated, painful moment where there were five, six, eight years where spending kept going up even as cable was going down. And they finally hit this point where the pay TV business is collapsing. And all these companies make most of their money from that. And so they're really feeling the squeeze there. And they had been encouraged to lose money to build up these streaming services. And then inflation and things in the macro economy change. Wall Street changes its mind. And so I just think that Warner Brothers Discovery and Zaslav have become sort of the foremost example of this contraction or perhaps retrenchment in the industry. And unlike some of the other people, one, they've moved first to do a lot of it. And two, and this seems weird to say for someone who's been around for a long time, it's almost like Zaslav has never run a big media company before. <laughs> I know. And, the people, uh, and the people around him were not ready for the scrutiny that comes with running Warner Brothers and HBO. Like if they went and did something that people didn't like at Discovery, nobody was going to make a big fuss about it. But every time they've had an opportunity to like make a big move, oftentimes the move itself made sense. But the way that they did it meant that they just got egg in their face and pissed everyone off. Yeah, I mean, this Turner Classic Movies situation is such an unforced error because these cable channels are not growth businesses. TCM is profitable, and it had a staff that was larger than most of the other cable properties in their portfolio. So you look at it, you say, okay, we should probably trim some costs there. But then the way they went about it they just gutted the place, fired half the staff, made it so that the leadership, which has been beloved there for 25 years, felt the need to fall on their swords and quit in order to meet their demands. And then, shocker, 
it blows up. You have people like Spielberg, people like Scorsese and PTA who are outraged. And then they are forced to backtrack. They have a consultant come in and say, okay, how do we save this? Let's put the Warner Brothers people in charge. Great, we'll do it. Let's get Spielberg and PTA and Scorsese to like be consultants. Great, they'll do it. They get a, a, a bit of free publicity here. Look like the saviors. They probably won't have to do very much at all. And we'll bring back one of the executives that said he was leaving. Problem solved. We will move on. But this was an error of their own making that they were cleaning up from. You should choreograph this out. I just wonder how much they actually care because I got to assume they're smart enough, maybe, maybe I'm assuming too much, to know this is going to blow in their face. We know that Brian Lord of CAA told them this was going to happen. They care when they get the bad attention, right? They just have failed to anticipate the blowback with every move. I do think that the Turner Classic Movies one, this is one of those where like it blew up a lot in the industry, but like the average person does not know that this is happening and does not really care. But the people that it offended are a very important constituency for someone who runs a big creative company and one of the biggest film and television studios in the world. Yeah. And that's where I think the missteps have been made, because I do think that they are in a little bit of a bubble in Zaslov's world. Where, you know, he says, well, wait a second, I made a commitment to Boston University two years ago to be the speaker at their commencement. Um, Why would I pull out? Someone needs to have the credibility with him to step in and say, you're not doing this. This is a horrible look. You're going to get booed. You're going to become the poster child for this strike. And we're not doing it. You know, I know you'd love to have a party at the Cannes Film Festival with Graydon Carter. And you know what? We have to change. Not, we not have the to, time. Yeah, we have to switch it up. We'll do a nice, tasteful champagne toast on the Warner lot. We'll celebrate 100 years, but we're not going to throw it in everyone's face and invite every media outlet to cover this and take a photo with a bottle of Dom Perignon that's then going to go viral amongst the writers and lead to you being on a million writer strike signs as the villain here. You talked about needing someone around him to tell him not to do it. He also surrounded himself or continues to surround himself with sort of the same group of people. Like he's got a a loyal cadre of executives that he has worked with for many, many years, in some cases, decades. And on the one hand, I sort of respect an executive who's got his people whom he trusts and all that. But when you're going into this big new company in a big new world, it probably is a good idea to shake it up a little bit or have that one person that you can, that you'll actually listen to when they tell you something's a bad idea. Yeah, and hovering over all of this is John Malone, who is the very seasoned investor, Liberty Media, and a bunch of others. He is the driving force behind this transaction that created Warner Brothers Discovery. They had Discovery Communications. They knew they needed to do something because that was a cable television company, and they didn't want to become what's going happening to AMC Networks, which is really struggling because they don't have these other assets. So they did this transaction with AT&T, created Warner Brothers Discovery. Malone is basically pulling the strings here. And he has total confidence in David Zasloff because they've worked together for many years. They are probably talking to each other all the time. It was Malone's idea that CNN needed to have, quote, real journalists, even though they already have thousands of real journalists. And to put someone like Chris Licht in charge, who did not have experience running a cable news network and was a television producer, and that blew up in their face. Zaslav accepted full responsibility, he said, 
for that. But that was another unforced error, something that most people probably would have told him from the outside. This is a very, very difficult political business media job. You need someone who has done this before. And he went with a producer and didn't interview anyone else. I kind of disagree with you there. I, I mean, the, not interviewing anyone else, that's a mistake and is sort of part of one of my biggest criticisms of Zaslav throughout is he sort of like goes with the people he knows and likes, which also means that he surrounds himself with a largely white and male executives. Yes, the Hamptons I've written crowd. about and he gets mad at me and whatever. Yeah. But in the case of Chris Licht, I kind of liked the hire. The issue to me was an execution. Like Chris Licht was a very well-regarded television producer. And yes, running CNN, much bigger organization than Chris had ever run before. But he went and picked someone who was smart and ambitious and had a background in news and gave him a chance to do something big and challenging. And it didn't work. But I'd rather him take a risk and do something like that then like bring out the like 76 year old guy who'd run CNN twice before. Right. Like that's just okay. more interesting to me. I see that. And I actually, I like Chris Licht as well and do think he's smart and ambitious. And, but it became clear pretty quickly that this was an organization that he did not have a handle on. And you could blame Jeff Zucker and the loyalists to him. You can blame a lot of different things. No, they were never going to match the Trump ratings after Trump. And that was a problem. But the fact that Zaslav just went to the guy he knew without looking at the full landscape is ultimately a blemish on Zaslav. Yeah, I mean, like, you go back to last summer with Batgirl and taking the shows off of HBO and all that. In a vacuum, there's nothing wrong with that strategy. I mean, it, people freaked out because it was something that hadn't happened before, but everyone has since done it. It is a reasonable way to save money platforms, streaming services don't need to have every title that's ever been in existence. Oh, yeah, that I agree. So that's a smart move there. Same deal with the licensing, all the shows that they're licensing to other places. They need to generate extra revenue. That's a good way of doing it. So it's different from the way things are done. Get used to it. But they have failed in all these cases to anticipate what the response would be. It's like, okay, with Batgirl, it's not just that you're yanking something off, you're not releasing something, people are going to really be freaked out about that. It also happens to be a rare superhero movie with a female protagonist. Like he is blind to the ramifications of his actions in a lot of these cases. Batgirl's a great example because yeah, do it, but do it in a way where, you know, you let everyone know who's involved before you announce it. And you do a deal with the actress to keep her in the family, do a deal with the filmmakers to keep them in the family and to make it seem like you guys are aligned on this. At least try that. From everything I've reported, they did not try that. It was like, oh, we're doing this. And also like the way it was announced, like it was immediately like for a tax write-off, which even if that's the reason, you got to have a larger narrative about what you're doing and how you're setting this company up for success long-term. Because if you look at what they are doing, and if you look from, let's say, John Malone's perspective, they had $56 billion in debt when they started. They've gotten $9 billion or so off of that debt load. The debt that they have is now much more manageable. It is not outsized when it comes to different, I mean, it's still outsized, but it's not as outsized when it comes to comparable media companies. And the cash flow that they have generated is pretty significant. So much so they changed Zaslav's compensation structure to be more aligned with cash flow rather than the stock market, which has not recognized the company's moves. And it's still, you know, it's up for the year, but it's still about half 
where the company was when Zaslav took over 18 months ago. You brought up Batgirl and talking about debt. Like Wall Street is who Zaslav is managing for, right? Because he knows that as long as the company is doing well for his shareholders and the people on the board are going to back him, and everyone's going to support him, even if there's a lot of noise around the, the creative community. To your point, he hasn't really satisfied Wall Street. He hasn't really so- satisfied the, the creative community in Hollywood. Every, a lot of people, you know, like a, an Ari Emanuel, are still giving him the benefit of the doubt because they're buddies and, and he thinks he's a good person, or at least that's what he says. Um, <laughs> but he has not really pleased any of his key constituencies yet. And he's been in charge of the company for more than a year. Right. And the stock is half where it was. Not great. What was the biggest actual mistake or what was the one that was the most blown out of proportion? The most blown out of proportion, I think, was the decision to get rid of CNN+. Plus. That never really made sense to me. Obviously, CNN needs to come up with its strategy for digital and how that product is going to transition over to the streaming universe. But CNN+, Plus was just, stuff that nobody wants to watch. That made sense to me to get rid of it. And now, lo and behold, as you've reported, they are going to have live news on Max, branded CNN. It's just going to be a more manageable and cheaper product. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, I want to I switch your question and put it on its head and say, what is the decision they've made that has actually been undercovered that has made a much bigger imprint on the company than even the outrage has suggested. And I'm going to go with the DC decision to disavow the movies that are coming out in 2023 and focus on this Superman-oriented reboot that is coming in 2025. James Gunn and Peter Safran, who Zaslav is very proud that he hired to run DC, they are getting in and they're making changes But they had this slate of four movies coming out in 2023 that three of them they are not talking about. The one that they were talking about, The Flash, they went the opposite direction and went overboard and said it's the greatest comic book movie they'd ever seen. So they set the expectation bar super high for The Flash, something that it could never 
live up to, and especially with the troubles of the star, Ezra Miller. And lo and behold, the reviews came out. They were fine. Not greatest superhero movie of all time. And it flopped big time. And now you've got these other movies like Shazam that already came out and flopped and Aquaman 2 that are just lined up. And you've had the leadership talking about how these DC movies don't matter in the long term. I've been more skeptical that that mattered than, than you oh, have. I think and it does. And, I and think the fans lot. do take cues from this. And these are billion-dollar investments by this company. Flash is going to lose hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm just going to decide that I'm wrong. I've heard it from you. I've heard it from producers. I've heard it from agents, all these people. I thought that them sort of disavowing the rest of the DC slate wouldn't matter to the average customer. And whether it has or it hasn't, the result is that the movies aren't working, and that's a big problem. But I do think the in terms of impact of four DC movies in a calendar year having been kneecapped in some ways by the leadership of the company, that's not great. It's a amateur move by Zaslav, especially the Flash stuff. It's strange because I actually thought that the hiring of James Gunn and Peter Safran to run DC was, again, one of Zaslav's more inspired choices. It's a risk. You're taking people who've never run a big company, but you're taking people who are well-respected, creative folks and putting them in charge of a very valuable asset. But who knows? Maybe that'll blow up just like uh, like the Chris Licht hiring what did. Yeah, the other one was the the decision to lump all of the talent together in that creators line that they put on Max, which is another unforced error. Someone in the hierarchy of that company had to look at the user interface and say, oh, we had all these director, writer, actor credits on HBO Max. We're going to put them all together in one creator's line so that Martin Scorsese is listed amongst 20 different people for Raging Bull. And he's like seventh (laughs) in the list. I don't want to blame Zaslav himself for this, but someone in that chain of command had to look at that and say, like, guys, directors don't like to be lumped in. This is a guild issue. The director's guild had to put out a statement calling it outrageous, and they had to apologize immediately because these are these credits are heavily negotiated. What do you think is the difference between Zaslav and Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, Bob Backish, the CEO of Paramount, or Sherry Redstone? Why is he getting so much more backlash when a lot of the things we've talked about, a lot of these companies have have had problems over the last year. It's a combination of things. First, he's an outsider. He was coming from the very low-rent cable TV universe and then being given these amazing assets. Like he says, he can't believe he gets to sit behind Jack Warner's desk. That's an outsider coming into this business. He's a financial guy. He's not a creative person. Iger or, you know, you want to talk about his faults, and we can talk about that. But he is perceived as a creative first executive, came up with the creative side of the company, and has made some amazing moves over his 20 years in his first tenure. I think also the fact that Zaslav did a lot of press in advance of coming into the job. So much press. Meeting with everybody and getting himself out there and doing the Vanity Fair spread about taking over the storied Warner Brothers studio. And all that does is set you up to just be the target for slings and arrows. And I also think that he moved first on a lot of this stuff. And when you move first, you're going to get the lion's share of the blowback. And I think Bob Iger is probably happy 
that Zaslav is the villain here because Iger's press has sort of turned and many, including you and I, have written about how the second tenure is not going great for Disney. But he's not getting that kind of criticism that Zaslav is getting, even though he's doing a lot of the same things. Hulu is purging shows. Disney Plus is purging shows. They're making enormous cutbacks and layoffs at Disney. They've got to figure out what to do about the movie studios. These movies cost too much. They're having a horrible summer. So Iger's not doing great here. And then Sherry Redstone, I mean, she inherited this company. She's removed from it. They're not taken as seriously and people don't care as much about those assets, especially Disney and even something like HBO or Warner Brothers. So I think that's why. But Zaslav has not done himself any favors. That's for sure. He's had a lot more of the like the creator credit that you talked about, this TCM thing. Those have been the types of mistakes that the other folks haven't made. They have known better than to do that. And I think they're probably looking at it going, dude, what are you doing? Like, why? Like, why are you doing this? But let's go back to the fundamental question I wanted to ask. All of these things, do they matter at all? Or is it just cut the costs, get this company in position where there can be another transaction, whether it merges with another company or whether it's sold or spun off or whatever? Is that the only thing that matters to Zaslav? Or are we in a situation where if the gaffes keep coming and the perception of him is that he's making the wrong choices perception-wise or reality-wise, is he vulnerable? He's definitely vulnerable. I mean, I'm a big believer that the performance of the company is what's going to matter yeah, but, at the but end of the day. Yeah, but that's what I'm for, saying. Is it no, just no, but, the stock or is it just the financials or does this other stuff play a role? I think it matters because if the company does not perform or continues to not perform up to the level that people wanted, all of this makes him way more vulnerable when he previously was not because he had John Malone and others in his corner. I think they remain in his corner if you start seeing the company turn around or if he He says it has turned around. If you talk to Zaslav, he'll tell you the free cash flow is way up, that Max is going to be profitable ahead of schedule, that all the things they're doing are reducing the debt, which is putting them in a great position. The only people that can't see this in his position is the market. The market can't see this and they will eventually come around. But saying the market can't see it has never worked for a CEO. (laughs) It doesn't work. You have to convince investors. Otherwise, it doesn't work or it doesn't matter. Um, Especially if the plan, as many people suggest, is that in nine months, 12 months, 15 months, you're going to turn around and try to sell this company or merge it with something. You need to have a really good valuation. And as long as the stock is off 50% from when they did the Warner Brothers deal, you're not going to have a really good valuation. Um, so I think if he can, you know, it's the, maybe it's a cop-out answer. But yeah, if he can convince Wall Street that what he's doing is working, then he's fine. But otherwise, all this stuff really makes him weaker. Are you buying stock in David Zaslav right now? Or are you selling? I would do the, the, the Wall Street analyst version of a hold. Really? That's a cop-out. It's a cop-out. But I don't, I, don't think I'm, I don't think I'm selling. By the way, we forgot the other reason that he gets so much shit. He makes so much goddamn money. The dude had a $250 million pay package in 2021. Now, a lot of that was tied to stock. They go nuts when people mention that. It was not that he got a $246 million check. But $40 million last year in pay. I mean, he has always been at the upper echelon of media CEOs who, in general, are overpaid. And, and he, he was at the upper this. echelon before mm-hmm. he ran a big company. He was he was paid like Bob Iger when he ran a company that was, that was a tenth the size 
Exactly. And now we're seeing what the results are when he's running this bigger company. And, you know, I, the, the details of how these CEOs are paid are beyond me. I know it's a lot of it's tied to performance, but here we are in a bear market for these media companies and the salaries don't seem to be coming down very much. I just don't see what the, what the lever is for the company to get a bunch of growth and convince everyone things are going, right? Like their cable networks are going to keep losing viewers, losing advertising. So much of the business is tied up in that. The movie studio, if you believe that they're doing this turnaround at DC, you're not even going to see the results from that for two plus years. Yeah. No new heads of a studio right. get to put their imprint for that long. Or this Harry Potter show they say is going to last for 10 It'll years. Take forever. Yeah, or the Lord of the Rings movies that they say are going to last for 10 years that will not be here for at least a few years. So it's either a bunch of additional money from the licensing they're doing, which is real revenue. Mm -hmm. Or it's that the streaming service takes off in a big way. And considering that they're not investing much overseas, I just don't see it. Maybe they'll sell CNN, get a big check for that. You and I can raise money and buy it. I think there's some people who, who at that company who would love to see it happen, but uh, it, it doesn't feel likely. All right, Lucas, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Matt. All right, we're back with the call sheet. Craig, are you following the layoffs at ESPN? Yeah, a lot of huge names. That surprised me, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, not too surprising given the financial situation that ESPN is in these days. Basically, the cost of sports rights are so exorbitant. The ratings are going down. The carriage is going down. The revenue is going down. Disney needs to find places to cut. And the on-air talent is the natural place to cut because sure. these people in the run-up over the heyday of ESPN, they are making outsized salaries and the revenue doesn't justify it anymore. I know that ESPN has always been a company that said, you know, they're not host-driven. They're not talent-driven you know, the sports are the talent, but getting rid of guys like Jeff Van Gundy is surprising to me. Yeah, Jeff Van Gundy, Max Kellerman, Susie Colbert, Jalen Rose. Todd McShay. I mean, Jeff Van Gundy, I think, is the best basketball analyst on the air announcing games. So I know that probably doesn't affect viewership, but in terms of just a quality product, losing Jeff Van Gundy is a blow, in my opinion. That's the thing, you know, we, we've talked about it before on this show, is that the talent tends to not impact ratings. What it does is it signals to the leagues how much you support the broadcast. Bringing Buck and Aikman over to Monday Night Football was a big show of support for the NFL that ESPN made. And it makes a difference in getting better games for Monday Night Football. But this is increasingly a luxury that Disney does not have. And my prediction today is that this is only the beginning, that the bloodletting at ESPN is going to continue. And I actually believe that they are going to shut down their Los Angeles studio. So you think the LA Live studio is going to shut down? I think eventually, yeah. I mean, it's been around for 10, 12 years now. And I just think that when you're looking at the bottom line, do they need it? And the answer is they do not need it. This stuff could be done out of New York or Bristol. Yeah. And they don't need the urgency of having a late night sports center coming from Los Angeles. Like, that's, that's a luxury of a different era. But why do they give Aikman and Buck then... $40 million or whatever they gave them. First of all, they did that 18 months ago before the shit really hit the fan. I don't know if they do that deal now. Secondly, they had to show the NFL that they cared about Monday Night Football and they want better games. Better games at least has a return on investment because better games is better ratings and it's more money. So that's the rationale there. 
doesn't matter who you put in that sports center chair these days. The ratings are not going to go up. The ratings are likely going to go down unless they catch some lightning in a bottle. So same with all these other shows. It's a declining universe of ratings. So I think that they are just going to keep cutting, cutting, cutting and putting whoever in the chair that is cheap and that they can say, you know, build a profile here. And it doesn't matter if they have stars on these shows. I'm affordable if you need me to announce NBA games. ESPN. <laughs> NBA or, or NFL? You want to just be a Warriors guy for NFL? Yeah, for, uh, yeah, yeah. I just want to be a biased Warriors fan. I'm, those are my favorite types of announcers, the ones who just clearly have a are skewing to one team. The total homers? Yeah. Yeah, it's the anti-Mark Jackson. He's, he's clearly openly anti-Warriors every time he announces a game, and I, I'd like to be the opposite of that. You could. You guys could arm wrestle each game. All right, that's the show for today. I want to thank my guest, Lucas Shaw. I want to thank producer Craig Horbeck. I want to thank editor Jesse Lopez. I want to thank you. See you later this week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.